You guys have a good week. Yeah? A couple hands here. Who wants more snow? Nobody else, man. Come on. It has, it has been a good week. You know, even in <clears throat> our experience on Wednesday, uh, God is faithful, you know, and we're just thankful that mom was still there when we got there and we got to just uh, praise the Lord and pray together in an ER and I've had a couple of those experiences and they, they're never fun, you know, and I always wonder how, what do you do in that kind of situation? And it's to point to Jesus because he is the light of the world and he is the joy even when we don't understand what's going on even with our own body. So we have a lot to be thankful for in our days, right? In our numbered days, Jeremiah says it like this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. <clears throat> they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The book of Lamentations is written by Jeremiah after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. After the temple is ripped apart. After the Jews are hauled off into captivity. Yet the prophet of the Lord knew that the Lord's steadfast love never ceases. Those man, though man's does, right? But the Lord's does not. Though we may not have mercy for or from the drive through worker in the morning, who yet cannot get an order right, the Lord's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. In life, we face trials and tribulations, many pains, struggles, and sufferings, but we have a hope that is not of this world. Jesus says it like this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Tribulation means great trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus has informed us, right? All of, all of chapter 16 was informing the disciples of, of what was going to happen. You know, this is, this is the game plan. But he's informed us so we can have peace in him. Because trying to control life, other people, and even situations... Any given situation is impossible for a finite person, right? We keep on coming back to that in Bible study and Sunday school. It's like, it's kind of hard for a finite person to understand this, but how amazing is Revelation that we get a little, just a little hint of who is God and who is he and how great he is and how amazing his grace is. But any given situation, any problem or thing cannot be controlled by a finite person and in fact is sinful. Paul states it in Philippians. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now we are fully aware that tribulation is here. Not the great tribulation. Not yet. Coming soon. <laughs> but we know trouble is here because we face it as we go to school, as we go to work, as we grow older, as we struggle with sin, and as we see the horrors of humanity's rebellion against God in us and in our world. Yet we can take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. Today we get to start our, chapter, our study in the chapter, chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. You know, we have seen that Paul has laid down all the truth and all the theology and all the doctrine in the first two chapters of Colossians. And now he brings it to bear on life. And he starts with our interpersonal life. Well, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer before we turn in the, turn in the word. Now, Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you for your amazing grace found in Christ alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God. That we can have union and communion with you, the Lord Almighty, through your Son, Jesus. Help us put away all of the distractions and everything that is in our minds and just from this last week, from this coming week, just everything that's going on, Lord, and help us just fix upon you and know you and praise you. As we praise you in song, we praise you in studying your word and, and knowing you more. Thank you for today. Thank you for time to fellowship, to, to know how it's going, to pray for one another. And to sing praises to you, our mighty King and Savior, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> and we will be in verses 1 and 2. Paul writes this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at, the right, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above that are above, not on things that are on earth. See, Paul has laid the groundwork. He taught the Colossian believers who Christ is and what happens to one that believes upon Jesus the Christ. And now Paul starts with, if then. If all of this is true, if there is grace and peace from, the God our Father, from God our Father in Christ Jesus, if we in him have love for the saints, if he is the image of the invisible God, if reconciliation comes to humanity, by the blood of his cross alone. And if we are rooted and built up in that, and we know this, that we are made alive by God as we rest 
and the finished work of Christ upon the cross. If all of that is true from the first two chapters, then it will affect our whole, our whole being, our whole life. Right? It's, it's not just going to be head knowledge. The Lord Jesus states it like this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Anybody read the devotional that I sent out with the newsletter? Right? God purposed the chickens for a purpose, right? Eggs and rotisserie chickens from Costco. God has purposed us with bearing his image and giving him glory, right? Thankfully, I'm not a chicken. <laughs> Humanity's purpose isn't just to live and pay taxes and die. Now, our purpose, our, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, as the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. We are made for a purpose, the sum, right? It hangs all on one thing, to love God with our whole and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The truth is we can't, right? We can't do this. We are sinners and therefore we don't love God and we don't even care for our neighbors. But in Christ, by the Holy Spirit, we are, we are sealed given truth and able to live out transformed lives by the renewal of our minds. Because we in Christ have been raised with Christ. See, we are, we are no longer dead in our transgressions. We, are, we have been made alive by God and Christ. And Paul had already told the Colossians that it it is a powerful working of God back in Colossians 2.12. For in Christ we have been set apart and we await future glory. And John states it like this. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. How amazing is that? We await glory. For when Christ comes for his church, the saints will be changed and they will be, we will be like him. We will be in his presence. And if we have all of this hope, then we should seek the things that are above. We should set our mind on heavenly things. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. On Matthew chapter 6, verses 9. Oh, I'm in chapter 5. I'm like, that's not the right one. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6. The Lord Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. And he tells us this in verses 9 through 15. He says, Pray then like this 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now prayer shouldn't start with us, right? It's kind of a hard, how to pray, don't start with you. <laughs> it's an interesting questionnaire. It shouldn't start with us. It shouldn't start with our situation, our circumstances. It should start with our Father in heaven. We should know that the Lord God is in heaven. And he alone is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present, as we've been learning in Sunday school. And then we should be about this as well. Hallowed be your name. We don't really talk like that anymore, right? How hallowed be your name, Lord. What does that mean? It means the Lord God's name should be holy and honored in our life and in our deeds and in our thoughts. And then we pray your will, or sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we don't fix on earth first, right? We we don't try to solve things here apart from the aid of heaven because what we wait for is for the Lord's will to come here. For the kingdom to come. That the perfect one, that Jesus the Messiah would come and rule and reign in righteousness. That's where we start. We start with our hope set in heaven. Our hope set in Christ, in the will of God, in the here and now, in our lives and in our neighborhoods, in our nations, as we deal with life as the rest of the prayer does as well. You know, we first need this as humanity, right? We need to be right with the vertical. And talked about this uh, way back in Bible college for the first time, and I was like, what is that talking about? Well, our, our vertical relationship is man and God. We need to be right with God. We need to have ordered prayer, and praying centers us on the will of heaven. And that will bring us to the needed peace, the union and communion that's found in Christ alone. And then all of that will hopefully, not always, right, bring right relationship with the horizontal. Some relationships are, are broken. Peace can't come. Things happen. But relationships with mankind as neighbors can have peace, right? We do all that we can, as Romans talks about, to live peaceably with one another. See, Paul states this as the goal. This is the goal for the believer. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, as, as believers, we press towards this prize because Christ Jesus has made us his own. He has purchased us with his precious blood. 
and therefore we are to be about his upward call, and then we fix upon it. We fix upon him. We fix upon this where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And we understand and see it throughout all of history, at least if you like reading history like I do, that now and then nations and people rage. They rage against God. David saw it. And we can see it now on the news or in the reality as people fight for the right to kill who they want and marry who they would like. The whole earth is told this in Psalm 2. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. So we don't need to join the world in building their towers of hope and what we need to do is warn the world to kiss the sun, to take refuge in him. For there is no hope in no one or nothing else. As a set-apart people of the Lord, as the church, we are to rest our hope in him. Not in armies or empires or kingdoms or governments. We rest our hope upon the one who is seated at the right hand of God the lamb who was slain but is alive, the one who holds the keys, right? He's in charge. He holds the keys to death itself. And he is the one that has come and is coming again, and his name is Jesus. And he is able. As Samuel Say is an awesome Christian blogger. He's from Canada, but he just moved to the United States recently. He wrote this the other day. He says, Good morals will help you in this life, but they won't help you in the next life. Only good news can do that. I was like, oh, I'm putting that in a sermon. <laughs> Political promises, moral movements. Oh, I totally forgot the movement's name. It's the, it's the movement that led America to pro prohibition. I cannot remember it right now, but it, it, it led to Al, Al Capone and other things, right? They, they just hit it. They just did it. Hmm. Can't remember. But anyways, yeah. <coughs> political promises, moral movements, education, and even utopia here can only get humanity so far, but will always lead to this. It ends in death. Jesus Christ alone has overcome death. And therefore, we who are resting in him have a hope set because he is alive. So if we rest in the risen one who is at the right hand of God, we are to do this. We are to set our minds on the things that are above. And we set our minds on a lot of things in our world today, right? From headlines to homework worrying about the future but if we have this if we have Christ Jesus as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul he is a hope that has entered into the inner place
place behind the curtain. And what that is talking about in Hebrews is that he is able to approach God and he has made atonement once and for all, right? All of the law pointed to the fact that Jesus would fulfill it. If we have Christ and Christ is in us, then we have the hope of glory, right? And then no matter what our worries are in life or death, we have a sure and steadfast hope. So we set our minds upon hope. Paul talks about setting our minds upon things to the Philippians. He says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, it's not that we cut ourselves off from the world and don't read the headlines and don't deal with the problems of the day. It means we start with him. We fix upon him who has overcome the world. For the Lord is a true one, and he is to be honored, and he is the just and pure one. And the Lord is our hope above and here. So we should be about the study of God in our lives. Right? We should all be theologians. Sorry. We, sh we should, right? We should all be about the study of God. Did you know you study God? Right? You have thoughts about God? Right? Every hand up, right? You have thoughts about God. We all do. We even talked about how do you picture God? <laughs> My first thought was, Culturally, family guy. That's it. That's how we picture him. But he's invisible. Hmm. So how should we picture him? It was a good it was a good conversation. But even before Family Guy, there were a lot of well, this is what God the Father looks like. Is that biblical? Right? It's a good question to ask. <clears throat> we should be about knowing him and knowing his word so that we can be about what Paul states in Romans. Right? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Only by the mercy of God can we do this. And thankfully, his mercies are new every morning. That we can be a living sacrifice, right? That's totally contrasted from what the sacrifices were in the law. Because that, that pigeon died, and, and that pigeon got to fly away, and, and this bull got killed. But we can be a living sacrifice because Jesus once and for all made the sacrifice for sin. You know, in this, we are not to be conformed to the world, right? We're not to be pressed in, but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds so we can discern the will of God in the here and now. 
because we have set our hope not on earthly things, not on things that are of earth. And that brings us to an interesting question, right? Is there earthly hope? Yay, nay. Taking a poll. <laughs> yeah, is there earthly hope? I thought about this for a little bit, and I was like, you know, the common, the apartment complexes, I used to, you know, drive in Denver as a bus driver, and you'd see the big old sign, if you lived here, you'd be home by now. I'm like, what? Like, that's an interesting one. It's a good ad. Even, even Coca-Cola, I was joking with my uncle about this when we were up there in Billings uh, visiting family. And I was like, even ads for Coca-Cola offer this great refreshing beverage during meals with thin people all around. That's, Coke promises that, cool. Is it true, right? No, it's a false gospel. It's a, it's a false promise. You know, the world is full of false promises and false gospels. I mean, that's what an infomercial is. It's a gospel track in your TV. Here you go. This is what you need. And the world all over the place states, this is heaven over here, and that's hell. You don't want to be like that. Right? It's, it's right there. The, the, the world hijacks the system. But the truth is that all of humanity is suppressing the truth of the Lord God. There's probably infomercials about that. That oh no, you're, you know, the gold within you just needs to be expressed. It's like the Bible would say, there's sin in us, and it needs to be eradicated. And only through Christ can it be eradicated. The believer, the church, needs to have their hopes set in heaven, because if we have our hopes set in lesser things, we will proclaim the wrong message to the world around us. From, we talked about this today, from dressing nice to cleanliness, right? You ever hear that one? Godliness is closest to cleanliness. I'm like, where is that in scripture? I still haven't found it, but please do shower, right? You know, <laughs> just to the carpet, right? I've heard that before of churches splitting because of the color of carpet. Believers have gotten it wrong from time to time because we forget where we are citizens, we think we are citizens of this or that, but our citizenship, as Paul tells the Philippians, because the, Philippian, the Philippi colony was a Roman colony, so they were proud Roman citizens, but he told them this, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Christ Jesus. See, we, we set our hope in Jesus. We set our minds to Jesus and we await his coming Paul continues in Colossians chapter 3 and writes this in verses 3 and 4 for you have died your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory. And that's exactly what John was talking about as we read from his first letter. In the hope we have, in the, in the mindset we have, in the waiting, we understand this, we have died to the world. 
and we are not of this world anymore. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. verses 15 through 17. John writes this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the Father, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye, eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. If you want to do some extra reading later go ahead and read genesis 3 and read this alongside and you'll see that these are exactly what eve saw in the tree these are not from the father but from the world the world is and the world is passing away along with its desire but whoever does the will of god abides forever Right, we hear it from one side of the world to the next. You know, from right living to utopia to social justice to all these movements promising something. Where Christianity tells us that Jesus alone is able. Jesus alone is hope. And Jesus alone is worth waiting for. All those other promises are empty. They can't fix the problem. John knows this. He knows that the world is, the world and its promises are passing away. Right? Peter says, the world will be melted with fire one day. It will all be gone, but those who are trusting God and obeying God, they will abide. Right? They'll abide forever because they abide in the one that is able. Because only by Jesus can we even obey Christ because that's the first thing human responsibility is to repent and turn and believe upon Christ and in doing that we're justified and then we can walk with God and fight the good fight against sin don't you just miss Miller season they're like everywhere <laughs> we abide in the one who is able that's why the call the call goes out to the believer don't love the world or its things. Don't fall for its falsehoods, its lies, its, its plausible arguments as we saw in Colossians chapter 2. Don't, don't fall for these things. Let us fix upon our Father in heaven. If we are in Christ, we are dead to the world and our life is hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. So we are not to live for the things of this world. We are to wait Christ. This means we wage war against sin in ourselves and outside of ourselves. We wage war against sin in our minds and our thoughts and in our deeds and in our, you know, even our friends say, hey, you want to go do this? You want to go watch that? I'm like, well, is it, you know, you go back up to what Paul says. Well, is, it, is it true? Is it pure? Is it something commendable? Hey, watch this movie. You should go watch it too. Uh, you know, are we going to commend it to others? 
And Paul tells the Romans this as he's dealing with different thoughts. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness in sorry, walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in his death, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, repentance is about action, right? It's an act of turning, you know, going, going this way, uh, turning around. But it is also about our minds, our, our thinking. Paul is, is dealing with our thinking here. I, one friend of mine back at Fairmount, a Bible church always talked about it being a little lawyer in our head that just justifies everything. It's like we can we can justify anything. I'm like, yeah, that that lawyer inside of us is good. Oh, it's good, you know. Nobody can see it happen. I'm like, as we talked about in Sunday school, well, God sees it, right? What's integrity? Integrity is defined as doing the right thing even if no one's looking. I always think about a fire captain coming down the the towers on 9/11. And this, this little old lady was going down the stairs and he was going to go past. And he was like, no. And he turned around and grabbed her and took her down the stairs with her, with him. And some of his crew, I don't know if it was all of his crew, actually survived the collapse of the towers. They were, they were part of the people that, that survived. But I, I always think about that moment is that you're going to save yourself or you're going to save this lady. And he turned and did the right thing right it's it's doing the right thing even when someone isn't looking so how should the believer deal with sin i love i mean it's a good question should we sin all the more to the glory of god because then you know his grace will abound meganoida is the greek may the thought not even enter us is what Paul is saying. It's like the most, like, never. You know, the slamming of the gavel. May it never be. May it never enter our minds, for we are dead to this world, and therefore we are dead to sin. Why should we live in something we are dead to? We are to walk in the newness of life in Christ, for we have been united to God through Jesus. To this end, Paul states this a few verses down in Romans 6. He says, So let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from the death, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. All right, we obey God rather than sin. And only the believer can do this, right? 
If we are not of Christ, we will obey sin and its passions because that is what we are alive to. It's the only thing we can do. We might have a choice, a variety of, you know, clicking what button we'd like to enjoy. But if we are in Christ, if we are resting the finished work upon the cross, then we are dead to that and alive to be a living sacrifice. To present our members not to sin, but to present our members as instruments for righteousness. You know, I thought about that for a minute. It's like, you know, the, the world might say, well, what kind of life is that? Right? Waiting around for Jesus, not having fun at all, and studying and singing. That's no life. The world might look at a believer and at the church and think that, but life, eternal life, brings a joy like any other thing that the world could ever offer. Because it's a relationship with the Lord God through his Son. What other joy is there? The world lacks in its offerings here. It offers passing joys and no eternal hope, just entertainment on the world on the way to eternal punishment. Paul states, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I like to, you know, attach that back, right? What's the hope of glory? Christ in you, right? He said that all the way back, and it, it feels like, you know, you think about it, that you have the hope of glory in you, which is Christ in you, and then when he appears, right? Paul talks about it in other letters is that we will instantaneously with the twinkling of an eye right we will be changed that's hope you know those who are resting in the Lord Jesus know that he is the resurrection and the life you know the world thinks that life is now, so enjoy the now, for that's all we get. But Christ tells us it's the resurrection and then the life, right? We talked about that when we went through John 11, way, way back in the day. But that's hope. Because life here is, is messy. Things break. Life is broken. It's full of pain and trouble. But even if we die, yet we shall live, for our hope is set upon the one who is the resurrection and the life, upon Jesus. You know, here and now, today, we, we might feel like a million bucks, right? Nothing's going to hurt me, but tomorrow we might feel the ache of yesterday, which will have been, you know. <laughs> For we have a lowly body, a tent, as Paul calls it in First Corinthians, and it will break. But in Jesus... One day we will be transformed to be like his glorious body. This is why we abide in the Lord. So that when he appears, we can have confidence and not shrink from him in shame. It made me think about, about this question that you know, had been 
placed before us in Bible college one time is, what do I want Jesus seeing me doing when he comes back? Sinning or fighting the good fight when he returns? You know, in his return, we will see him as he is and we will be like him. You know, this is hope unlike anything the world can offer. It is a hope that those hidden in Christ have and await. And it is a, wait, it is a hope worth waiting for. And we have hope in Christ Jesus our Lord because he is the free gift of God. Right? He paid the wages of sin. And by trusting in him we are justified. So we can treasure that. Now please turn your Bibles with me one more time to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, again. Now, I didn't even notice that when I was you know, writing this out and everything, that, oh, it's, it started with Matthew 6 and it's ending with Matthew 6. I'm like, that's pretty cool, Lord. A few more verses down in Matthew 6, of verses 19 through 21, Jesus states this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what we treasure matters greatly, for it leads our heart. So let us treasure the hope above. Jesus states this a few verses down in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Tell that to the Kardashians. Um, <laughs> look, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. I'm like, oh man, that's a good question. Right in the heart. <laughs> and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed Close the grass, the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Oh, if we are risen in Christ and our hope is set and our minds are set 
above, then we should know not to be anxious, which was hard to even write. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? <laughs> but I gotta worry. Yo, worry. Yo, I'm a parent. I get, yo. <laughs> We're not to be anxious, but to look at creation, right? Jesus just point, you know, he's standing in a field. This is most likely during the Beatitude sermon, and he's standing in a field. And he's like, hey, look, you know, there's birds, there's flowers. Look at it. The Lord cares for the bird, the birds. The Lord cares and clothes the lilies. So we shouldn't worry like the world does. We shouldn't, we should be about this, as Jesus states in verses 33 and 34, as Bryce read at the beginning. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. I love that verse. That needs to be my life verse. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If our life is hidden in Christ, then we should be about awaiting his kingdom and being an instrument of righteousness, not, not full of worry because of our hope in heaven. And it can't be eaten by a moth. It can't rust away and it can't be stolen. How amazing is that? In Christ, we have a hope that is sure and steadfast, a very anchor for our souls. Now let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you so much, Lord, that we can come together and we can, we can study. We can know how life is going and, and pray for one another and cast our cares upon him who cares for us and that we can bear one another's burdens. Lord, thank you. Thank you for a hope that is imperishable, that cannot be tarnished. Now, in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit who is our guarantee of our inheritance and that we can await and long for that and tell others, see the Lamb, behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Turn and trust upon him. Help us go forward in, in life to, to just be about pointing others to you, Lord. We just thank you for today. Thank you for your amazing grace and your mercies that are new every morning, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.